Thank you, Uncle Wes. See, Randy, that's how you do it without getting your uh, mask hung up in your headset like that. I'll teach, I'll teach you later. I learned a couple of things during the sabbatical, so. Uh, if you're not there yet, would you please turn to James chapter 5. We're going to be finishing out James today. <clears throat> James chapter 5. I'm going to turn there as well. James chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 12 through 20. All right, well, let me, let me start by praying, <clears throat> so if you'll join me, let's bow our hearts. Now, Father... That the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts may it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Do this, Father, for the glory of your Son, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last year I had the privilege of preaching the first sermon of the year, kind of uh, like today, and we were in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And in it, I challenged us if, if just 60% of us took the time this year to be resolute in being merciful to one another, especially those uh, of us who are different than, than we are, those who may not see things the same way as you see them, if, if 60% of us just committed to not showing partiality but to establish relationships with people who you would not normally get to know or whom you may not even care to really get to know. If just half of us did that, then we'd experience a transformation in our own lives personally and corporately here at Kaului Baptist Church. And then we know what happened in 2020. COVID-19 got worse. Um, the upheaval around the world as far as ethnic and social partiality, uh, the, the presidential election, all these things that really threw us uh, into needing to be merciful with one another, needing to be more intentional about building relationships, being near to each other, especially those who are different than us, who see things different than we do. So the question I'd like to ask is, how did you do? How did you do this, this past year? Maybe, maybe some of you think about it, and maybe you failed. Maybe you didn't do so well. Maybe nothing changed for you. Maybe some of you took this opportunity to really be intentional about being merciful. I've seen, I've seen that. Maybe some of you might be thinking, well, no one made an effort with me. No. How did you do? As believers, we lament the suffering we've witnessed and experienced in 2020. But again, as believers, we don't mark 2020 as a loss. 
We don't, we don't mark it off as an L in the lost column, as a hiccup in God's plan. God hasn't stopped being faithful or good or, or great deliverer of his people this past year. God has not shifted his plan to use his church in his world to bring him glory. And so as, as I prepare to close out James' epistle, I couldn't help but think about how we can continue to grow in, in our care for one another in this church and all the ways that we have grown in our care for one another in this church this past year. Uh, and so just as a heads up, this sermon isn't going to be one that I can just take and then preach somewhere else, you know, to pulpit fill. No, this is, this is going to be very specific for us here at KBC. And if you're here and you're not a member or you're watching online and you're not a member or you're here and you're not a, a Christian, uh, I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad you're here. And I pray it encourages you as we go through the text and apply it for us in our context. Uh, but this one is specifically for the family, for the household of faith here at KBC. So I pray that you're encouraged if you're here and you're not. And I pray that it would maybe lead you to want to be a member here at KBC. And so we're in James chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. And the main point of the text, as I see it, is all of our lives are lived before God. So keep your word, keep talking to God, and keep one another. Main point of our text, all of our lives are lived before God. So keep your word, keep talking to God, and keep one another. That's, that's the main point of, of, of the text, and, and that's, how, that's how I'm going to structure my sermon. So I have three points. Keep your word. Second point, keep talking to God. And third point, keep one another. Keep your word, keep talking to God, and keep one another. Point number one, keep your word. Here in verse 12, James is concluding his epistle, and he appropriately returns to, to the way he's always kind of talked in his epistle, to the thing he's been addressing most in his epistle. And that's how we use our words, how we use what, what comes out of our mouth and the danger of being double-minded in our speech or double-talk. And when James starts out, verse 12, above all, he doesn't mean that what he's about to say is the most important thing he said in his letter. This is simply a literary term to describe him coming to the close of his epistle. It could be said in summary. So he's saying, above all, look with me at verse 12, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, right at the outset, we can read that verse, and, and, and we should be clarified that when James says, do not swear, he, he's, he's not meaning do not curse, do not use profane language. That's not what he's saying here. What James is talking about is, is what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, verse 34 through 37. We're not going to read that because the parallels between what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and what James says here are uncanny. I mean, they, they almost are exactly lined up. And, and that's common with James. James is almost like he, he's mirroring the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's, that's, you want to reread James' epistle? Compare it with the Sermon on the Mount for Jesus. It, it's a kind of, way, uh, kind of way of speaking that God uses, the swearing that, that uses God and religion 
talk to solidify the truthfulness of what you're saying. That's what he has in mind when he talks about do not swear. It's like saying, I promise to God to, to kind of solidify the truthfulness of what you're saying, which implies that if, if you're not being truthful, then it is God who will hold you accountable. But the issue at the time was, was that people back then would make oaths to each other, but certain oaths were more binding than others. So, so they would say, I swear on Jerusalem. And then when they don't follow through with what they said they would do, they could say, well, I didn't say I swear toward Jerusalem and kind of get out of it. It's, it's kind of a slick way of talking, an underhanded way of dealing with each other to not hold yourself accountable to what you said you were going to do. What James and Jesus were addressing wasn't so much the swearing and oath-making that was the issue, but their concern was for the truth, for truth-speaking and word-keeping to mark the people of God. So again, the issue for James and Jesus is not that we are even forbidden to make oaths or keep promises. You might think, well, he just says, don't make oaths. But, but the words that we are speaking uh, but to make sure that the words we're speaking are true. That means that everything that we say, everything that we tell people is in the presence of God. And you will be held accountable, whether you say you promise or not. Not only that should that mean that our words that we speak, that we should be people of integrity, but your words should be trustworthy, friends. But not only that, do you hear the implication now? If just our simple word bears with it that, 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 that we are being held accountable by God, then that means that when we do make an oath, when we do make a promise, that it would bring with it a confidence that, that what we are saying, that what is coming out of our mouth is unquestionably true. Interesting, isn't it? Reading this text almost seems like he's saying we, we should just not make any promises. We shouldn't sign any contracts. We shouldn't make any sort of oaths. But consider this. We know that God himself swears. Did you know that? Did you know that God himself swears, makes an oath? In fact, he swears on his own name. And it's all throughout Hebrews. You just read Hebrews, and it's the most encouraging thing to hear God swear by his own name. It's meant to give us strong encouragement that it is unquestionably true. Paul himself, all throughout all of his epistles, in fact, most of them, not all, swears. He, he swears that what he is saying is true. So why would James be so concerned about his readers and about us making these kinds of oaths? It's because, again, all of our words, all of the words we speak are before the presence of God himself. That should give us pause. That should make the words we speak intentional, weighty. Brothers and sisters, have you ever considered that every word that comes out of your mouth has not just spoken in the presence of people, 
but is spoken in the presence of God himself, every word you speak is part of your relationship with God. How different would the words you speak be if, if we lived with the realization that every word we speak, God hears it? When my kids are playing outside a, a, of the house and I hear them speaking harshly toward one another, uh, I'll, I'll go right into the doorway and, and watch them from afar, and, and they'll see me, and immediately, once they see me, their voice changes. And I'll be standing there for like a couple minutes, and they'll be playing, and they're kind of like side-eyeing, like, am I still there? Because so, my presence helps them to realize that their words, that their actions are going to be held accountable. Brothers and sisters, every word you speak is in the presence of God. So let your yes truly mean yes, and your no truly mean no, because it is before God that you speak, and God will hold you accountable for every word that you say and every word that you think, but don't say. There is no slick way of speaking that will get you out of the word you gave to someone else. You may fool other people, but you will not fool God to whom you must give account. This this again doesn't mean we don't make oaths, however. Like I said, God makes oaths, and so does Paul. But if our word should be as good as an oath, how much more weighty are the oaths that we make to each other? How much more binding? How much more solemn? Consider the weight of this oath that many of you have made. I do. How much more solemn is that oath? How much more binding is that oath? How about this oath? This is our church covenant. In our commitment to these articles of faith, we make the following covenant, the following oath, the following promise. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God, in this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into the covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We pledge, we promise, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk in Christian love, together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and peace, to promote the prosperity and spirituality of this church, to sustain its worship services, ordinances, doctrines, and discipline, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also undertake to maintain family and personal devotions, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to strive to walk uprightly in the world, to be just in our dealings and faithful in our engagements, to avoid gossiping, backbiting, and excessive anger, to seek God's help in abstaining from all the drugs, food, drink, and practices which bring unwarranted harm to the body or jeopardize our own or another's faith. 
and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further commit, promise ourselves to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense and always ready for reconciliation, mindful of the admonishment of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover affirm that when any of us moves from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church in our new locale where we will continue to carry out the spirit of this covenant, of this oath, of this promise, and the principles of God's word. If you're a member here at KBC, you've made that oath before God. Would you, would you do me a favor? If you're able and you're a member of, a K, of KBC, would you stand for me, please? Would, would you just stand up? Look around. Look around at each other. The, these are the people you've made that oath with. Amen. How binding is your promise to these people? How, how important is that oath that you've made to these people? When it gets tough to love these people, when they rub you the wrong way, when someone seemingly gives you the cold shoulder or is seemingly unkind, or when someone is intentionally unkind to you, does that make your promise null and void? No, it doesn't. Praise the Lord for that. How much more do you have to grow in your oath you made to these people? Does your yes mean yes? Maybe you don't know where to begin. I'll have more on that later. <clears throat> but for now, look around and remember these people. Remember them because I'm going to ask you to, to look back and look to them again later on. So you can be seated now. Thank you. Now, some of you who stood up, um, I notice, and maybe awkward to say, some of you maybe are not members of KBC, but maybe you've been attending for such a long time that your, your member status is unclear. You've just come back, and maybe you remember for, for a while, and you don't know. I pray by the end of the sermon, you will understand the importance of gaining clarity of that status. And, and if you are not a member, and if you ask and you find that you're not, you may wonder, well, what happened? Like, I thought I was a member. If you are not, and you found that you are not, then I, I would pray that you would consider becoming a member, going through the process. Because that not only will allow you to be able to keep the word you made with us, but it helps us, all of us, to keep our word to those who, to whom we've gave, given it to. Do you, see, do you see the importance there of knowing who is a member here, knowing if you are one? Because then it allows us to know that, okay, it's you who I've made a, my, my oath to, my promise to, and I will come alongside you. So I pray that, that if you don't know, 
if you remember, or if it's been such a long time that you've been gone, seek clarity for that because that's important, and it's important to us as well. Every word we speak is before the presence of God, so keep your word, brothers and sisters of KVC. Keep your covenant to one another. Point number two, keep talking to God. Verse 13 through 18, keep talking to God. And the truth that all of our lives are lived before the presence of God should truly give us pause and, and a cause and cause us to examine the words we speak uh, since we will be judged by them. But this truth at the same time should be very, very good news because that means no matter what season of life I'm in, no matter where I am, if all of my life is lived in the presence of God, that means I can always talk to God. I can always come to Him. Look with me at verse 13 through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Brothers and sisters, the charge is clear in these six verses. Keep talking to God. Pray. Pray. I'm just so amazed at how God gives us exactly what we need when we need it as we've been going through James. And I, I believe what James directs our attention to while not saying everything that there is to say about prayer is just what we need to hear in this as we enter this season, as we enter 2021 in the life of Colley Baptist Church. First, when does James say we should pray? Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone cheerful? When, when do we pray? Does James just have two specific moments in our lives when we ought to pray, when someone is suffering, when someone is happy? No. His point is we, we pray when you're suffering and pray or praise when you're happy and everywhere in between. And everything, bring it to the Lord. What, what, what should our, your joys and happiness do in you? a desire to communicate with God, a desire to sing his praises. What should troubles and suffering and trials and pain cause in you? Communicate with God. Talk to him. If all of life is lived in the presence of God and he is always there, then we can go directly to God at all times. And as we just sang, is, is that strange to you that, that, that we just sang uh, that, that, that he is, he's not deaf when we complain? No, still the ear of sovereign grace attends the mourner's prayer. Oh, may I ever find access to breathe my sorrows there. Brothers and sisters, complain to God. Don't complain to one another. Bring it to God. We, we, we talked about lament in Habakkuk and how he was honest with God and how he, even Job, was honest with God. 
and seem like, Job, should you really be talking to God that way? All of our lives are lived in the presence of God. Talk to Him. Keep talking to Him. An average day at work, when, you're, when we eventually go back to school, <laughs> at home, I mean, what would you not pray about in your average day? Nothing. Think about what you did yesterday. What did, you, what did you spend hours doing that you did not pray about? Those are the things James is saying you should pray about. Chores, shopping. If you're about to have a difficult conversation with someone, when you're being tempted, lift them all up to the Lord because, before you start your day. If you have a planner, you pray through your schedule. Pray for the people you think you might see that day. I mean, Brothers and sisters, I have to confess, I don't pray like that. I don't pray enough like that. Why, why, why don't I pray like that? Why don't, why don't I take time at the end of my day to thank the Lord for all that He has done that day? Why don't I do that enough? All of our lives are lived in the presence of God. We should talk to Him regularly and constantly. I mean, who's better to speak to? What, what friend do you have that is more loving, more merciful, more powerful, more wise, and yet one who is more patient, who is more gentle? He never changes his mind about anything. He never changes his mind about you. He never needs to. He is the one who is most faithful. He is the one who always wants to hear from you. He wants, you're, never, you're not too old, you're not too young. God wants to hear from you. Children, God wants to hear from you. You're not too young to talk to God. Abby, you're not too young to talk to God. Peyton Page, you're not too young to talk to God. Parker, my boy, you're not too young to talk to God. Kids, you are not too young to talk to God. He wants to hear you. Go to Him in prayer. And speaking to Him can also be a lot of fun, can't it? We can sing our praises to God. We can sing our prayers to God. He hears that. And it's a lot of fun singing to God. We can talk about singing more later. I'd, I'd love to talk more about singing, um, but maybe we can do like a sermon series or something. But, but when do we pray? every day, every season, all the time. Talk to God and keep talking to Him. You may be thinking, well, well, that's good and all, James, but I'm not too good at praying. I'm no one special. He says in verse 14 to call the elders to pray. I'm not an elder. So there's, there's probably something special about elders that, that maybe isn't so much special about me. Brothers and sisters, you may not be an elder, but James doesn't mention elders here because they have a special connection to God. No, what James has in mind is a season of life where it may be too much for a person to bear alone. Whether that's an actual physical sickness James is talking about or a spiritual issue, the key is not in the anointing oil or the elders or the faith of that person praying for that matter. Oil rarely, if ever, is used in healing and counseling just once. Elders are rarely present when these healings happen as well. 
And we know that Paul prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed, but God didn't take it away. But did he not have enough faith? Maybe. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane that the cup be removed. Did he not have enough prayer, enough faith? He had all faith. And yet God, he still went to the cross. So if not even faith is the key, then what is the key? Whose prayer is heard? Verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Literally, the prayer of a justified person. Whose prayer has great power and whose prayer is effective? One who has been redeemed by Jesus. One for whom Jesus gives his righteousness to. I mean, sinners who have been declared righteous. You, if you are a believer, your prayer has great power and is effective. You see, it's, it's not powerful prayers that God answers. No, the prayers of the justified believer have great power. Your prayers have great power. Are you repenting and trusting Christ for your salvation? Then your prayers are powerful and effective because Christ has opened the way for you to access the throne of God because you are now declared righteous before him. See, even the prayer of faith that, mentioned, that James mentions in verse 15 is not a subjective confidence, but objectively that my confidence is that my prayer is offered to God because it is in Christ who will raise up, did you notice, raise up the sick and he will raise up the downtrodden. My confidence is not in my prayer, but it is my, prayer, my confidence is that I confide in Christ. That is the prayer of faith, that Christ will raise up. To give you even more reason why the confidence is not in your ability in your prayer or in your status of, of necessarily being elder, but James mentions Elijah. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, that just is even worse. <laughs> Elijah, I mean, he prayed that it might not rain, and it didn't. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. Sure, he, he raised up a widow's son, brought fire from heaven, lived off of one meal for 40 days, divided the, the Jordan River, and walked through it on dry ground. That Elijah. Thanks, James. I feel even better about myself. <laughs> and yet, for being greatly used by God, did you notice, James says he was a man with a nature like ours. In some translations, it says he was just a man. As great as Elijah was, he was just like you and I. But it was the great God who was using him. Nothing special about Elijah, but that God was using him. And if each and every one of us have great power available to us through prayer, then that should give you confidence to not only ask for prayer from one another, but also confess your sins to one another, as James says in verse 16. But why? Why bring up confession of sin here? It seems so random, doesn't it? He was just talking about people being sick, anointing with oil. Why confession of sin being brought up here? think this is 
the greatest need. James, James recognizes the greatest need of our souls and the greatest need of us here at Kaoli Baptist Church. You see, we, we ask each other freely and openly for prayer for physical healing when, when we or a loved one is sick. But far more interwoven into our everyday life and far more dangerous than physical sickness is sin. Especially if sin goes unchecked. We deceive ourselves if we think we can handle it on our own. We don't ask for prayer for our sin, for our temptations, which is why we need to keep one another, brothers and sisters. That's our third point. Keep one another. Verse 19 through 20. What a great way for James to end his letter. Not only are we to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, but to keep and guard each other from our wandering and the reward, the most important thing, the reward of such care for each other. Look with me at verse 19 through 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I just imagine James smiling as he writes that. It's like, you're going to save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's the reward of keeping one another, keeping watch over each other. Brothers and sisters, this means that we have each other's back. We are to know each other. We are to, to, to look into each other's lives and invite each other to do so because what's at stake is our souls. We need each other to make sure our souls are safe. More than guarding the safety of our reputation, we should be concerning ourselves about the safety of our souls. Our only hope is not in our appearing righteous. That is not why we come to church. Our only hope is that Christ is righteous, and he is righteous for us. That truth allows us to lay aside the facade of keeping brothers and sisters in Christ at arm's length, of looking spiritual and looking like I'm doing okay. If, if you're putting forward a, sh a show, maybe unintentionally, Maybe you don't want to let people in. You don't want to burden others with your troubles, with your issues, with your temptations. But if, if you're putting that forward, you're holding on to a mask, I pray that you would be so convicted by the Holy Spirit. You would confess and let others into your life. No matter how embarrassing it may be, do that. Because your soul is at stake brothers and sisters. If you're here or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, I pray you would wonder at how strange all of this is. I mean, seriously, what, what would make people want to subject themselves to something like that? To invite someone to peek into your life and tell them what's right and wrong? What would be worth intentionally embarrassing myself by talking about the things that that are uncomfortable to talk about? What could be worth my reputation being on the line? What could be worth all that? Jesus, 
Jesus is worth it. Friend, if you're here and you're not a Christian, your soul is in danger of death. You have sinned against God because you do not acknowledge him as as he says he should be acknowledged. And, And what you have earned for yourself is judgment and wrath from him for all eternity, which is wrapped up in the simple word death. But the very good news is that the same God who you will give an account to for every word that, that, that has come out of your mouth you're going to give account to, and every thought that came to your mind, and everything you've ever done, you will give an account for. You, you may think, that's not so bad. I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good person. But, but if, imagine if every thought and word and deed you've ever done was projected onto this screen for all of us to see right now. How righteous would you feel? But this God, who knows all of, all of it, your words, your thoughts, your your deeds, this God sent his son to save his people, to save their souls from death by dying on the cross under the punishment that we deserved. He covered a multitude of sins with his death and thereby wiping our debt clean. More than that, wiping our debt clean, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us the ability to be brought near to God. We had every right to push us away, and we can be near to him because of his great love for us. And that he has shown in Christ Jesus. Jesus is worth it, friend. And I pray that you will repent of your sin and and set your trust on Jesus and all that he did to save his people. Pray that you would do that now and that God would give you the ability to do that. Members of Colley Baptist said I would do this again, but look around. You don't have to stand up this time, but look around at the people who did stand up. Look at them. And, and I want you, while you are looking at them, to say out loud for them to hear, I need you. Go ahead. I need you. Now, now, while you're still looking at them, I want you to say out loud for them to hear, if I wander, bring me back. If I wander, bring me back. Notice I didn't have you say, uh, I want you <laughs> to do this, because you may not want that. You may not want that, but you know you need that. You know you need each other to keep each other, especially if you're in the midst of someone actually doing this. You're not going to want that necessarily, but you know you need it. The promise, if we do this, is that we will save our souls from death and a multitude of sins will be covered by the blood of Jesus. Did you notice that our, our keeping one another magnifies the salvation of God? It magnifies the gospel. A multitude of sins were covered by the blood of Jesus. Our keeping watch over one another results in more exaltation of Jesus' work in the gospel. Did you notice that? There there are some who love to point out wrong in others. It's if they, they get pleasure in others' failures and others being wrong. But the motivation here 
is magnification of the praise and praise of Jesus. That's the reward. That's the goal. That's the reason why we do it. Because we want to see souls saved. We want to see a multitude of sins covered. That's why. So keep one another for the glory of the gospel and the good of our souls. So let's, let's talk about some application as we close out. Oh, I'm doing pretty good on time. At this point, I'd be freaking out, but it's not bad, not bad. All right, now let's talk about some application. Members of KBC, maybe, maybe you didn't say it out loud right now, um, just, uh, but, but you said as much when you took your oath as a member, when you became a member here. Have you been true to your promise? I have to admit right now, I have not been as faithful as I ought to be to my covenant, my oath with you. I have not been as faithful as I ought to be, but I would like to. I want to. That's why I need you. That's why I need each of you. Because, because I, I find in myself a desire to want to, but, but I lack sometimes the ability to do it. I need you when my family, when me and my family went through the elder nomination process, my life was, was open. My life was laid bare, and it was painful, and it was sore, and it hurt sometimes, but it saved my soul from death. I, I, I said constantly through it, like I didn't, I, I didn't never groan as much as I did in those few months. Then, then the entire time I've been a believer, it's because my life needs to be open. You need to look into my life. We need to look into each other's lives. It's painful. It hurts. But we need it. We need each other. And you can begin the steps of making your yes be yes even today. Simply, let other people know about your life. Stick around a little while longer here. Take time to build relationships to let others know what you're going through. What challenges are you going through at home, at work? Again, you may be embarrassed that you find something is hard and difficult. That may be embarrassing to you, but say it anyway. How many of us have been encouraged by someone who else who is confessing struggle, confessing sin, in fact, something that maybe you were struggling with. Makes you feel like you're not the only one. See, our flesh can deceive us into thinking that our sin is unique. That only we struggle with the, this in this same way and therefore no one will understand, they'll only judge me. Don't we hold others who confess their sin, their temptation, embarrassing ones at that? Don't we hold those saints who are honest about their struggle in high regard? Don't we look at them as a model of spiritual maturity because it takes a mature believer to know that they can't do it alone. It takes a mature believer to know that we can be blinded to our own sin and our own struggles. Conversely, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity to not utilize every means of grace God has made available to us. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity to think you can go through life without the loving soul care of people who love you 
looking into your life and applying the gospel to those areas. I pray I can continue to grow in this area myself. This is an area that I, that I need to continue to grow in. That's why I need all of you. So how do you do this if you're homebound due to COVID-19 or, or uh, other reasons? How about you start by calling just three to five members a week and ask them what you can, what can you be praying about for them? Ask them about their week. Ask them about what they hope to accomplish in 2021 and pray for them regularly. If you're homebound, you can do that. Maybe your involvement is attending Sunday morning and that's about it. Or maybe you attend things, but you keep people outside. You keep people at an arm's length. Consider the covenant that you made with those around you. You need us, and we need you. Take a couple minutes after service today. Don't leave earlier or run right after service. Take time to pull someone aside and say, I, hey, I haven't, I haven't been as faithful as I want to with this oath, this covenant that I've made with you. Can, can, you, can you help me grow in this? Can we just talk for a little bit and pray together? And just commit to doing that. Commit to taking moments out of your day, out of your life, out of your week to talk about how things are going and how you can be praying for others. But maybe you're in a season of life that you aren't able to do much more than Sunday mornings. But do you have one minute of your day? Do you, do you go on social media? Do you text others? Do you make a phone call? If you don't even have that time, then maybe you need even more than you think someone to come alongside you. If, if you don't have time for even that, maybe you need us more than you think. And we are here to bear that load with you. Maybe you find yourself in a season where you don't have any time. It's too hard to pray. Call the elders. Help us here for you. Maybe you have a group of people that you already have a group of people that you take time to confide in. But maybe they aren't members here. I would challenge you to take the oath you made here seriously with the members of Kauai Baptist Church. While you may be well cared for by others, there are people here who need you. And the time you have committed to others who you may not have made a similar commitment to, a similar covenant, a similar oath to. People here need your time that you have given to others. I challenge you. Take a little bit of that and care for people here because they need your time. They need your help. I challenge you all to let your yes be yes this year with regards to the covenant you made with each other, Kali Baptist Church. Second practical application, pray. Pray. Now, if you haven't already read the email from our pastors on New Year's Eve, we will as a church commit the next couple months 
of 2021 to prayer. Small groups, Sunday school, everywhere we are gathered, we want to spend an extended time, intentional time, in prayer at each of these venues. So the next couple months will look like a lot of prayer. Why? Why prayer? Well, as we take more seriously our covenant to one another, and as we desire to send the gospel more intentionally into our communities and to the ends of the earth, and as we desire to simply grow in our own personal adoration to God, we must, as Hudson Taylor says, go forward on our knees. All that we want to do, all that we desire to do and must do, we must start with prayer. So consider how God answered the prayers of righteous people here at KBC. How their prayers had great power and effect. The prayers of men like Uncle Jerry and Uncle Richard. And women like Auntie Elaine and Auntie Florence and Auntie Dora. The prayers of Uncle Tomo and Auntie Amy Kaga. The prayers of Auntie Hilda. I'm failing to mention everyone, and I apologize, but have you considered that our church is still here because of their prayers? We are here this morning because they labored for us in prayer today. Have you considered that? That their prayers are why we are here. How many lives were changed because of the prayers of Grandma Dottie, or Auntie Pauline and Uncle Dennis? How many lives are changed because of their prayers? How many marriages are still together? How many, how many weddings and baptisms happened? How many children were born and how many people were saved because of their prayers? How many of all of this is fruit that someone prayed because they were justified? Not because they were elders necessarily, because they were declared righteous and God hears his people. Brothers and sisters, pray. Pray with your confidence fixed on the one who will save and will raise us up one day. I challenge you all to commit to attending more regularly since we're going to be praying a lot. Um, I have noticed that it's a trend in in my just short years of being in ministry and being at other churches, that prayer meetings, times of prayer, are far less attended than Bible studies. It's because it's harder to pray. It takes something on your behalf. Hearing a Bible study, hearing a sermon takes something on your end as well, but it's harder to pray. I, I encourage you, I challenge you. If you haven't been into a Sunday school yet, if you've haven't attended more than just Sunday mornings, make this an opportunity to jump in because we're about to pray a lot. There's so many uh, more practical ways we can include prayer into our life this week, but I um, don't have much time to go into it. But look, look again at the people in this room. That's time, I promise. <laughs> look, at, look at the people again. Now the people in the front, they're like, oh, I've got to turn around. Look at the people again in this room once again, and you've committed to pray for them. Before you leave today, will you pray? Will you take some time to, to pray with somebody? Lord willing, this time next year, 
Pray that we can look back at 2021 and rejoice and sing to God for all the ways he answered our prayers. And um, as I close out in prayer, I want to take one minute just to sit, just to sit in personal prayer. Just one minute. I've, I've challenged you to do difficult things. And James has challenged us much since we've studied it. I'm not going to pretend like confessing your sin and inviting others into your life. That's easy. I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend like that's easy. That's hard. That's very hard. You may need to wrestle with your flesh right now because maybe right now you're justifying why you might not need that in your life. Maybe right now your flesh is saying, ah, well, that really isn't that important or it's not that bad or maybe I shouldn't talk about this because I really should have a grasp on that. No, like right now your flesh is wanting to deceive you and thinking that you shouldn't do this. So maybe you need to wrestle with that right now. So take some time right now to make war over your flesh if that's you. Take some time right now to also think about people that you might approach after service uh, to pray and you know, social distancing and all that. Um, so please be respectful of that. Uh, but take this moment that, that we have, just one minute in silence and prayer to again make war or to make an intentional plan of what you might do right after service. And so um, let's pray and then I'll, I'll close out in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that all of our lives are lived in your presence. We don't have to wonder if you're there or if you're near. We only have to look at the work of your son on the cross and remember his presence before your throne to be our advocate, to be our mediator, to know that you are near to us. Help us even today to begin to seriously take uh, to take seriously and solemnly our oath we made to each other. Help us as we go forward in 2021 on our knees as a church. Remind us to keep going to you in daily prayer. Help us to be loving brothers and sisters as we are invited into each other's lives. <clears throat> Pray that those who have wrestled with their flesh in this moment of prayer would above their feelings in this moment, obey you in reaching out to others to keep watch over their souls. We pray that as we do that, the gospel of your son would be exalted and magnified among us here at Callaway Baptist. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.